several years ago, the Lord gave me this dream. I was at my mother's house, and the kids were sleeping in the bed, and I had just made a pallet in the floor next to the bed. And I went to sleep. When I went to sleep, I, I found myself in what looked, what, what I'm sure no man has ever seen while living or, or whatever, but in, in my dream, I was in what I assumed to be heaven and in the throne room, and there was this great circle of people all around the throne room, and um, they had gathered together to come before Him, and I watched as one after the other would walk before the feet of the Father, and they would begin to pour it out, pour out their, their story or their song or their offering, and as they did that, they would, they would pour it out before Him, and then they would go back and they would join the circle of people, and when they would join the circle of people, they would begin to sing this one song, and I woke up with this song in my spirit and just sat down and, and wrote it, and so what I would like to do is I'll sing the verses but if you would join me in the chorus and we'll just sing it together before him the way that I heard it in my dream, if you would do that with me, and we'll just listen to their story for a moment.
the first service uh, they applauded but I said stunned silence will work just as well because that's uh, that's gorgeous uh, and I, I asked Barbie to sing it because it's really part of what gave me where to go this week I, I was um, earlier in the week I was going a sermon about obedience I, I can't boy that's can't we all know obedience, right? I mean, we're all, we've all got that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least we know we we. And uh, and then there was a there was a part in the song that just took me somewhere, and I'll take you there in a little while. Um, so anyway, obedience today in four lessons, uh, four different people. Four different lessons. Would you stand with me and let's read a passage of Scripture together. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that you orchestrate things and the way that you put them together. Uh, may we truly be receptive today, Father. May we 
may we find out something that maybe we've been missing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, the greatest battles in history. What, what is the greatest battle in, in all of history? And before anybody shouts anything out, I, I'll, I'll bring up some, uh, um, some candidates for the greatest battle. Uh, Hastings, A.D. 1066, that's not one that we learn a whole lot about in school, but it's a pretty important one. Uh, it, it happened uh, that this guy named Harold tried to invade Normandy, and his army got all bogged down in the mud, and, uh, and William, this other guy named William, con- uh, um, uh, captured him, and he let him go on the condition that when Harold's dad died, William would be made king of England. Uh, well, Harold's dad died and Harold reneged. You ever had anybody? I know you've never reneged on a promise, but have you ever had anybody renege on a promise to you? Doesn't make you feel good. And so William got, got his guys together. They went over to England and this place called Hastings in 1066, he earned the title the Conqueror. William the Conqueror. Pretty, pretty important battle. Uh, Gettysburg. Uh, AD 161863. We we know a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, pick, Puckett's charge, Pickett's charge, and all that. Puckett has a grocery. Pickett, <laughs> pick, Pickett's charge. Lunchtime. Uh, Pickett's charge, uh, and all and all that. Uh, and and you know, and had that gone the other way, uh, most historians feel like you know the the war would have gone the other way, and it probably it probably would have. Uh, so that was, that was a pretty important battle. Marathon, 490 B.C., you runners out there. This isn't just about running, is it? Okay, I just, I just wondered how many of you knew anything about the Battle of Marathon. Uh, it's when, the, it's when a, few, a few Greeks kept the, uh, the Persian, the huge Persian army from, from invading. You're, you've seen the movie, the 300, yeah. That's right. It, it, was, it was a real creepy battle that was fought in Marathon uh, with weird colors. Waterloo, uh, A.D. Uh, 1815. Uh, all I know is Napoleon lost. If he had won, he would have done better. Uh, <laughs> Operation Overlord. You know what? In the early service, and this may be the case. No, it's not the case here. But in the early service, Operation Overlord was the invasion of, of Normandy. Uh, in the early service, was anybody in here alive in 1944? And no one was. But I'm sure we've got some people in this service who were alive. And you don't have to raise, yeah, yeah. You don't have to raise your hand, but we're, we're glad you're still with us. Uh, important, important battle uh, that was fought there. Uh, Yorktown. Uh, AD 1781. I, I was uh, I read a book about this a couple of years ago, and I'd always been under the impression that we just about had the, bit, the 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 British defeated already. And so when Washington came against Cornwallis at Yorktown, you know they just uh, au contraire. Uh, actually, Yorktown was uh, it, it was uh, it was close, and and had Washington been defeated, that war would have gone the other way. Here's the thing that all of these have in common though. They didn't really change anything. The only thing they changed were some faces and names for history. 
you go, well, what about the Operation Overlord? I mean, if Hitler had won, you know, if Hitler had won, there would be rampant anti-Semitism. There would be racial clashes and warfare. And th- Wait a minute, did he win? I, I... <laughs> Didn't really change much, any of these. But the greatest battle ever fought changed everything. And of course, that one was fought in AD 33 place called Golgotha. It was falsely reported that the victor lost, but that's just because the world doesn't understand what victory and losing is. Uh, and as I was, uh, the reason that we read that uh, passage of Scripture at the beginning was it really struck me at this time, because that was where I was going to start. Uh, it's not one of the four lessons, by the way, but that was where I was going to start. And and I, something occurred to me in that passage that I really hadn't, I hadn't twigged on before. And it was that Jesus doesn't say this is going to happen because the world needs to be saved. He doesn't say this is going to happen uh, because the devil is bad and, and we got... And, and those would have been right. Those would have been correct. He didn't say this is going to happen because my father loves the world so much. He didn't say that. He said, this is going to happen so that the world may learn. I love my father. Well, we knew that. And I prove it by doing exactly what he has commanded me to do. The greatest battle that was ever fought and ever won was won through obedience. And Jesus says, this is something that the world needs to learn something about. So today we're going to do four, uh, uh, four, four lessons. See, the architect of that battle was, was God, and no one has ever lost a war who fought under the direction of and under obedience to God. There's never been a war lost by someone who would walk under, who would hear what God wanted and walk under obedience to it. Never, never happened. Never happened. So it might be important to learn something about this obedience thing in four lessons. And the first one is lesson one, Jonah. And actually, uh, this is a lesson in disobedience, lesson about disobedience. But sometimes it's very helpful to, uh, to almost as important to learn the result of and, and what disobedience looks like as it is to learn, to learn the other side of things. Um, so anyway, here's, here's a lesson that we learn from Jonah. And it says, disobedience causes us to fight needless battles. Causes us to end up in, have you ever, have you ever, dis, when, you were, when you were a child, or maybe you know somebody who done this, it probably didn't happen to you, but you know somebody who was disobedient to their parents and ended up in the hospital. Or was disobedient to their parents and ended up in jail. Okay, yeah, it's getting personal now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Lord called Jonah to go to Nineveh. And, uh, but Jonah refused for his own reasons, whatever, whatever they were. Some say, you know, he hated the Ninevites because they were uh, such a cruel, uh, conquering tribe. Uh, maybe he was just a coward. But, uh, but for whatever his reasons were, um, 
he actively ran in the opposite direction. Uh, went to a place called Tarshish, uh, not Tarsus, which is where Paul was from, Saul of Tarsus, but Tarshish. It's actually in Spain. It's, a, it's actually uh, pretty, they, they don't know exactly where it is, but they, they have the general area. It's actually very close to where Margaret and I were back in, uh, back in November and December. Uh, ran in the opposite direction. And as he was running in the opposite direction, you know the story, he was thrown in uh, into the sea and had an encounter with a great fish who saved his life. Actually, I, the, the fish saved his I mean, somehow or another, he survived three days and three nights in this great fish. I don't think he could have tread water that long. And that would have been, especially in a storm, and that would have been, that would have been what the alternative is. You know, sometimes when we get out there and we're kind of wandering around on, on, on our own, God God sends deliverance, but it's, it might not look like deliverance when it, when it comes along. Uh, now, here's the thing. If the Lord punished us simply because we refused to obey, we would all be in trouble all of the time. Pretty much all of the time. But... Uh, a word from the Lord is a precious thing. I've I, I mentioned this before. When you get a word from the Lord and you actually follow that word from the Lord, you, you got something. It's, it's more precious than gold. And much pure gold is what the psalmist says. Uh, and when you, are, when you are entrusted with a precious thing, it carries a great responsibility. If you got gold, if you've got a diamond, if you've got somebody's baby, you know, if you've got something precious, you've got a responsibility that you don't have if you, if you don't have that thing. And when we actively, when we actually run from what God has told us to do, We've, we've taken a precious thing and we have shirked our responsibility. Now, not, you know, we don't always know what God's told us to do. We'll get into that in a minute. But when we do, what are you going to say? No. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I know this is what God wants me to you, you know, being in the ministry is an interesting thing. Being in the ministry full-time, we're all in the ministry. But being in the ministry full-time is an interesting thing because I don't know anybody who has ever been in full-time ministry who didn't want to quit at some point in time, who didn't just want to go, God, get me out of this now as soon as you can. I'll, I'll, I'll sell insurance. I'll, I'll do anything, you know. I'll dig ditches. Just get me out of this. Uh. And, you know, and I've had those moments over, over the, the decades. I've, I've had those times. But what keeps, what keeps me and what should keep people in a tough situation is when you've heard from God, what are you going to say? No? You know, book, book me uh, some passage to Tarshish. When we actually run from what he's told us to do, we're in, we're in trouble because we encounter battles solely on our own. I mean, God may send a great fish to help us out, but we're on our own when we're running in the other direction. Okay, lesson one. Lesson two, uh, a guy named Saul. Uh, Saul in the Old Testament, the, the, first, the first king of Israel. 
Uh, and this is another study in disobedience, but it's different. And it may actually be one that hits closer to home for a lot of us. Uh, the lesson is this. Disobedience can turn victory into defeat. What looks like victory into defeat. The Lord gave Saul a charge. He, he said, go and destroy the Amalekites. Completely destroy the Amalekites. Now, uh, the, the ethics of that command can be argued, but it doesn't matter what our arguments are. God's right. We're wrong. He knows what he's doing. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how that gets sorted out, but he knows how it gets sorted out. Uh, and, he, and he gave Saul this very, this very clear command. And, uh, and Saul kind of obeyed. Yeah. He kind of obeyed. He went, in fact, God was kind of, you know, pitching him a, 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 a softball up there, going, knock, knock this one out, buddy. Uh, and, and Saul fouled it off is basically what he did. He kind of obeyed. He went, and apparently the battle wasn't all that hard. I mean, I don't know if the Amalekites just weren't very good or whatever, but they... Uh, he defeated the Amalekites and, and wiped them all out, except for the best stuff. Yeah. You know, he was supposed to destroy everything. And I mean, their, their dogs, their cats, their, their cattle, their sheep, everything. But he left the king alive and he left the best of the cattle and the best of the sheep and probably some other stuff as well. And uh, Samuel shows up. And he goes, what have you done? And Saul goes, oh, praise God. I've done what I was told. We won a great battle. We, we defeated those Amalekites. You should have seen. They were, they were beat by halftime. They, they were ready to leave the court. We, 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 we just totally wiped them out. And Samuel goes, stop. Stop. What, what, why do I hear this, these, these cattle and these, these sheep and I, isn't that the king of the Amalekites over there? I mean, why is he, uh, what is this all about? Oh, but no, I, I did what I was told to do. I totally defeated the Amalekites and we destroyed it. Stop. Why didn't you do what you were told? And Saul goes, well, you know, we, we, we saved the very best to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Stop. Why didn't you do what you were told? Saul uh, finally owns up to it. I didn't do what I was told because I fear man more than I fear God. You know, we got in there and, and the men wanted to save all this stuff and bring it back. And I gave in to them. And this caused the, the Lord to reject Saul as king. I mean, this victory that he won ended up in him losing his kingdom. Samuel says to him, rebellion is like the sin of, of, of divination. Arrogance is like the evil of adultery because you've, because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He's rejected you as king. See, uh, I mean, I'm democracy's great and all that, but it, I was reading an article this last week that said something that I had. I think all of us have probably thought of at some point in time. The flaw in democracy is the people who are in charge have to make their decisions based on what the people want. 
Saul was a king. Kings are only accountable to God. And you know, since most kings are human beings, uh, all except for one, uh, that can have its downsides as well. But, you know, if you got a righteous king, he's only, only got to answer to one person. And that's the Lord. And that was the situation that Saul was in. To choose man over God is, is, is actually a rebellion. And we do it all the time. And we have a choice. There may be times, there may be situations where we feel like we don't really have a choice. We don't, you know, I have to do that. There is always a choice. Always have a choice. Saul had a choice. Of course, the most famous uh, line to come out of this particular story is when Samuel says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the, than the fat of rams. You see, when I, we often find it easier to sacrifice than to obey. I mean, have you ever heard the, the, the phrase, the saying, uh, it's easier to, to ask uh, forgiveness than to ask permission? Well, that's because it is. And it's sometimes easier to sacrifice than to obey. And, uh, and the thing is, when I, when, if I sacrifice, then it feels like God owes me something. And that's a lie. So I get, I get trapped in my own lie there. You know, oh, I have sacrificed so much, Lord. You know, I mean, surely you see... All of, the, all of the stuff that I've done. In fact, the disciples were saying that to Jesus at one time. We've left everything behind. What is there going to be for us? And Jesus goes, let me explain something to you. Nobody's left anything behind but what, if they've done it for the kingdom's sake, but what they're going to get many times as much in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. Okay, lesson two, Saul. Lesson three, let's, let's flip. We'll get, over to the, we'll get over to the positive side. And this is... Actually, one of, the, one of the choruses, one of the verses in Barbie's song, David, David, um, I will not offer you that which costs me nothing. Yeah. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, this is the lesson that we get from David. Obedience requires listening. Until you have listened, you can't obey. O obedience is not in play until listening has taken place. Uh, shortly after David conquered uh, Jerusalem, he was now king of all of Israel, the Philistines came and attacked. And David, uh, David inquired of the Lord, and he said, should I go out and, and, and fight the Philistines? Will you, will you go with me? Will you deliver them into my, into my hand? And the Lord said, go. I am surely going to deliver them into your hand. And so he did and God did. He went and fought the Philistines, and they got delivered into his hand. But the Philistines were defeated, but they returned. Um, sometimes we have to fight our battles more than once. <laughs> Most battles in our life have to be fought more than once. And one of the one of, the, one of the lies that we tend to fall into is we tend to think, okay, I, boy, I, I won that battle. That's over with. No, it's not. It's, it's probably going to come back around again at some point in time. And you're going to have to fight that again. 
Now, here's where the problem comes. Uh, well, this is, this is where David did what was right. The Philistines came back, and David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go out and fight them? Will you go with me? And God said, yeah, let's do it a little different this time. This time I want you to circle around behind them, and when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees. I don't know what's up with that, but when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the trees, then get out there because that means I've gone ahead of you and I'm going to deliver them into your hands. And that's, that's what happens. When I, uh, when I went into the ministry full-time uh, back in 1982, uh, the first week, some of you have heard me share this before, <laughs> I've been here 30 years. Y'all have heard me share everything before at some point in time. Those of you who've been here long enough. But uh, the first week that I was, that I was back in the ministry, uh, or in the ministry full-time, uh, I went up to Hendersonville to visit a friend of mine who was a youth pastor up there. Uh, her name is Lucy Freed, and, uh, and I had known Lucy from the Lord's Chapel and knew, the, knew Mike Nelson, the guy who started the Hendersonville Chapel. And uh, So I just went up there to kind of hang out and you know, get a little grip on this youth pastor thing and what that's all about. And, uh, and I don't remember much about what was said or what we said except one thing that Lucy said to me that I've never forgotten. And, and what she said was, when you learn how to do this job, you're finished. See, when you think you have figured out what God wants, you're toast because you are now no longer listening. I know how this is done. I, 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 know, I know how to fight this. And, and we do it. We do it. Here's a corollary to this. You see, listening for God's instruction is a lifetime process. It's not a, oh, well, I, uh, God told me God told me way back in February, you know, or what, whatever it may be, how to do this. And so now I know. No, it's, it's a lifelong process. Every, every time, every, everything that comes down, the, comes down. The, Jesus rarely did the same thing the same way twice. Very rarely did he do that. But we, we so easily get stuck in the, well, we've always done it that way mentality. And, and, and here's the thing, we tend to think that's everybody else's problem. You know, you know people just say, well, we've always done it that way. I'm not like that. You're like that. Well, guess what? I'm like that too. We're all like that. But you can't obey until you've heard. You've got to listen. Lesson four. And this is, this is why I asked Barbie to sing the song, because it's, it's Ruth. Uh, and earlier in the week, as I was kind of going, I can't teach on this. I don't know what to say, blah, 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 blah. Uh, one of the lines from the song just, just stuck and showed me where to go. We'll get there in a minute. But this is, this is the, the main lesson from Ruth. Obedience requires courage. Obedience requires courage. Ruth was noted for courage. She really was. I, which looks surprisingly at times like faithfulness, by the way, which also requires courage. 
Um, you know the story of Ruth. She, she was a Moabitess. She lived in Moab. And Naomi, who was a Jew and came from the village of Bethlehem, uh, there, was a, there was a famine in the land, and, and Naomi and her husband and, and her two sons moved to Moab while the famine was going on. And Ruth married one of the sons. But over the course of time, her father-in-law died, her, her husband died, and her, her uh, brother-in-law died. Um, and so the time came that Naomi decided, well, we're going back. I, I'm going back anyway. And uh, uh, Ruth and the other daughter-in-law, Orpah, decided, well, we'll go back with you. And Naomi goes, that's nah, not a good idea, girls. You know, you've got, you've got home, you've got family, you've got stuff here, you've got connections. This is where you belong. I, I, I can't promise you anything. I, I don't know what's waiting for me. I, I, sure, I sure can't give you another son for you to marry. Uh, and you just need to stay. And Orpah went, you know, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I'm going to stay. And Ruth, this is where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you are buried, there I will be buried. She was a woman of courage. And so she left home, she left people, she left what was familiar, and she ends up in Bethlehem. And, and when... When, uh, when, when they got there, sure enough, yeah, it, it wasn't, I don't know if the meal train started or not, but it kind of ran out. And so eventually Ruth goes, uh, you know, Naomi, I, I'm going to go into the fields and glean because according to the law of Moses, or what, what you say it is, you know, they'll let someone come and glean behind the harvesters after they've done the harvest. And, uh, and Naomi goes, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can go. This is a dangerous thing for a single uncovered woman to do at that, at that point in time. Uh, muscle counted for a lot more than brains in those days. Not that it doesn't anymore. But, uh, and so she ends up in the field of this man named Boaz, and things work out pretty well for her. You know, he treats her, he treats her pretty nice and tells, the, tells the, uh, um, the workers that he has, you know, let her... Let her get the stuff and give her some water and take care of her. And so she goes home that night, and Naomi goes, don't you go anywhere else. You stay in this man's field. You, you could get in a lot of trouble in somebody else's field. Courage also at times requires humility. The ability for somebody to give you advice and you actually take it. She was willing to listen to Naomi. Not all advice is from the Lord. Okay, I mean, just, uh, you know, I was talking earlier about if you ever disobeyed your parents and ended up in jail. But uh, uh, there, e even with your parents, there can be some times that maybe you're right and, you know, they're wrong about this thing. I mean, that that can happen. That doesn't happen. That's not the norm. That's the exception. But it possibly can happen. Uh, and we're talking about the word of the Lord here. But here's here's the thing. Uh, the Lord has placed people in your life. And if you can't think of anyone that fits this description, then you got a problem. The Lord has placed pe some people in your life for you to listen to. 
He's placed some people in your life that you should be willing to take advice from. And so this was the case with Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi said to her, you know, when it got to the end of the harvest, she said, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go, they're going to be having the harvest party tonight on the threshing floor. And you need to go down there, but don't, you know, don't get all that into the party and everything. When everything calms down and Boaz is off by himself, go to him humbly and ask him if he'll fulfill his duties as a kinsman redeemer for us. So she did. And it was, it was nighttime. Boaz was asleep. Uh, she, she comes and she, he realizes that there's, there's someone at my feet. There's a woman at my feet. I mean, he, was, he, he woke with a start, basically. Go, what, what is going on? She, she, she says, let your handmaiden draw near. Put your garment over me. For I've been told you're my kinsman redeemer. And he says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. This is, this is a greater kindness than anything you've shown up until this point. You didn't, you didn't run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now don't be afraid. I'm not the closest, but I'm going to work this thing out for you. Here, let me bless you. Go back to... Go back to Naomi, carry some stuff with you. I'll, fi- I'll figure this out. I'll get it sorted out today. Because I know that you are a woman of noble character. Courage. Nobility, humility, obedience. Here's the corollary to this. Not every battle looks like a fight. You know, we think about battles and we think about blood and broken arms and skint knuckles and bullets and bombs and things. Those aren't, you may or may not be involved in one of those kind of battles one of these days, but you're involved in the kind of battle that, that Ruth was fighting. Every one of us, most every day, she was involved in, in, in a battle about hunger, a a battle about protection, a battle about provision, a battle about inclusion. She was the outsider. She didn't really belong there. Ever been a stranger someplace? This was a battle she was having to fight. She won a kinsman redeemer. She also won eternal glory by becoming the... the, uh, the great-grandmother of King David, we talked about earlier. Greatest battle ever fought, AD 33, Golgotha. Jesus won the greatest battle of all time. And if you're in a struggle, here's the thing. Try listening. Try listening. Uh, Stop struggling. Try listening. I had a, a situation um, a few years ago, uh, a relationship that was just not good, and it hadn't been good for, for a while. And in fact, it hadn't been good for such a long time that I'd stopped praying about it. Just stopped praying about it. And 
the Philistines came back around. I mean, you know, I'd tried everything that I knew. I'd tried kindness, and I'd tried gifts, and I'd tried, you know, doing this and doing that. It just wasn't, you know, the Philistines came back around again, and God, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I, I, I think I, he must have caught me in a moment of weakness because I heard him. And he said, would you like to pray about this again? You know, you haven't prayed about this in about two years. Ooh, you know, you're right, I haven't. So I listened. And, and, and obedience isn't always, you know, sell everything and move to um, the moon, you know. Sometimes it's, would you like to pray about this again? Sometimes it's a very simple thing. So I started praying about it, and within eight weeks, he healed it. He began, began to mend it. The relationship got fixed. It's going, how'd that happen? Obedience. Obedience. And so if you've got a struggle, especially a long-term, try listening because you may hear, you may hear something surprising. I mean, now it may be unusual to the point of, you know, walk around back and listen for the army marching in the trees. But it, it, it may be just, hey, you stopped praying. You want to do this again? And then let your faith give you the courage to obey.